This episode of the Safina Society podcast has been brought to you by two of our sponsors, Mecca Books. They're an online Islamic bookstore. And the second is Irada Arts. They're a company that provides beautiful Islamic wall art. You can find Mecca Books at meccabooks.com and you can find Irada Arts at iradaarts.com. That's I-R-A-D-A-A-R-T-S.com. Welcome to the Safina Saadi podcast and we're here again discussing the Hanbali Madhab for another part on our playlist. We had such a great reception of the previous uh, Hanbali School podcast, which I think it had seven parts in it and a lot of people uh, were, were listening and, and chiming in. And one of the brothers who uh, chimed in and said, hey, there's another young Hanbali that uh, sheikh and scholar that I want you to interview, and that's my friend Jomo Ali. He he called me up and he said, "Listen, you need to uh, to meet Sheikh Yusuf." I said, "I know about Sheikh Yusuf. I have his book uh, on Aqidah. It's an amazing book on the uh, Hanbali uh, Creed, uh, which I recommend everyone to get. You can just type in Al Madras Al Hanbaliya. They have a an Instagram page. They have a website." And they have a Facebook page. And you can also take classes as uh, my man Jomo takes classes with them. So uh, Jomo Ali uh, took the initiative. He acted and he uh, arranged for us, alhamdulillah, to have this meeting, which we're about to have, with Sheikh Yusuf. This is like uh, we're, we're learning more about the Hanbali school. Let me state the intention because in the intention here is you always see Hanafi, Shafi'i, Maliki okay, in the Ashari institutions. And it's this fear of touching the Hanbali school, but if you go back in history, this is a noble school that needs to be given attention and in a sense sort of revived the inclusion of it inside of the, the, the other, well, alongside the other madhahib. Problem being, we all know what the issue is that any of the Asha'id or the people of Tasawwuf, they're afraid to touch it or else it's going to destroy their Tasawwuf or their Ash'ari and there's going to be some kind of conflict and by doing these podcasts, I want the Hanbali scholars to remove that sort of fear by explaining to us the living chain of the Hanbali school and separating from it what people tend to be you know, concerned about or worried about and to try to bring the Hanbali school, this noble madhab of Sayyidina Imam Ahmad ibn Hanbal uh, back into the sphere. Right back into the 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 uh, alongside with the other three medhabs and not some kind of asterisk uh, alongside of it, and people are afraid: Is this a medhab? Is this salafia? Is this wahhabia? Are they going to take away our tasawwuf? Are they going to cut up our beads? Uh, what's going to happen? That's our intention here, and we're going to let the mashayikh do the speaking. So why don't we turn to uh, Jomo? Jomo is a brother from, he's from New Jersey. He knows all about. Uh, New Brunswick where I live he's old school and he's a student both at Safina Saidi and at Al Madras Al Hanbaliya taking classes so Jomo why don't you introduce to us our guest Sheikh Yusuf Ibn Sadiq Bismillah Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen Wa salatu wa salam ala rasulillah wa ala alihi wa ashabihi ajma'in Let me say that I'm honored to be in the present presence of both my two shayukh as Sayyid Yusuf bin Sadiq al-Hambali 
at Dr. Shadi. And inshallah ta'ala, this is a, a answer of many du'as that we brothers here in America have been having, have been making. And this is an answer, this podcast is a is the answer to those du'as. When I will read the um, the biography of my Sheikh Yusuf bin Sadiq al-Hambali. His, his name is Sheikh Yusuf bin Sadiq al-Hambali. His kunya is Abu Muslim, and his laqab is Muwafiq al-Din. Some of the scholars he studied under, from both Al-Azhar and scholars from outside of it, from Egypt as well as other countries. The most important of the scholars he studies under is the Grand Sheikh of the Hanabila, Sheikh Dr. Muhammad Sayyid Al-Hambali, the main teacher of the Hanbali Madhab in Jami Al-Azhar Sharif. Sheikh Yusuf also studied under Sheikh Ahmed Ma'bad Abdul Karim, Sheikh Ahmed Omar Hashim, and Sheikh Hassan Ashafi, all three being from the higher committee of scholars of Al-Azhar Al-Sharif. He also studied under Sheikh Ashraf Makawi, Sheikh Hazim Al-Kilani, and Sheikh Jamal Farooq Al-Daqaq, Sheikh Ali Saleh Al-Azhari, Sheikh Rabi Al-Ghafir, and Sheikh Fatih Hijazi, Sheikh Muhammad Hassan Uthman, and Sheikh Saad Saad Jawish. From outside of Egypt, Sheikh Yusuf studied with Pakistan-based muhaddith Sheikh Muhammad bin Abdullah al-Shuja Abadi, and the Sheikh also studied worldly sciences at Misr International University in the Faculty of Humanities al-Asloon, combining the study of linguistics, translation, and English literature, the latter being the focus of his graduation thesis. Some of the books that Sheikh Yusuf bin Sadiq studied are uh, from the branches of Islamic knowledges under the aforementioned scholars. And what follows is a general yet far from complete summary. Under Sheikh Dr. Muhammad Sayyid al-Hambali, he studied Shar al-Kawqab al-Munir in Usul al-Fiqh. And he also studied this book with Sheikh Ashraf Makawi. And in Hanbali Fiqh, he studied Bidaya al-Abid, Aqsar al-Muqtasarat Hidayah, Aqsar al-Muqtasarat, Hidayah al-Raghib, Shar Umda al-Talib, and Kashaf al-Qina'ah. In Hadith, he studied Musnadi Ahmed with Sheikh Dr. Muhammad Said al-Hanbali, as well as Shar al-Kharida al-Bahiyah in Ilm al-Kalam, al-Numma al-Itliqad, and Qalaid al-Iqyan in Hanbali Aqidah. And also Grammar, Nahu, Balagha, Rhetoric, Logic, Mantik. Sheikh Yusuf also studied logic under Sheikh Hamza al-Kilani and Sheikh Hassan al-Shafi, who taught him from Mi'yar al-Ilm. The latter also taught him hadith and tasawwuf. With Sheikh Ahmed Ma'bad Abdul Karim, he studied Tadrib al-Rawi and Mustalah al-Hadith, as well as Fatul al-Bughit, Shar al-Fiyya al-Hadith. With Sheikh Jamal al-Farooq Daqaq, he studied Ilm al-Kalam. And under Sheikh Muhammad bin Abdullah Shaja' Abadi, he studied Musnad al-Shafi and, and al-Muwatta in Hadith. He also studied Hadith on the Sheikh Sa'ad Sa'ad Jawish. And, and apart from studying grammar with Sheikh Dr. Muhammad Sa'id al-Hambali, Sheikh Yusuf also studied at Ajurmiya, Shal al-Makudi, and parts of Qatar al-Nada on the Sheikh Ali Saleh al-Azhari.
as well as Shar ibn Aqil al-Arthiya ibn Malik and the Sheikh Rabi al-Ghafir and other books in grammar and morphology were studied on the Sheikh Muhammad Hassan Uthman. And to go on to some of his teaching posts, Sheikh Yusuf holds an official teaching post at Madrasa Sheikh al-Amud teaching various Islamic sciences such as Hanbali fiqh, hadith and tafsir. He is also the main teacher of Hanbali of the Hanbali Madrasa online platform which provides both short and long-term online courses in both Arabic and English languages in subjects such as usul al-fiqh, fiqh, aqidah and hadith. Outside teaching, the Sheikh has also worked as an English interpreter. His Islamic and worldly studies coupled with his work and fluency in Arabic and English mean he is aptly qualified to teach the Islamic sciences to an English-speaking audience. Okay, excellent. And now people know where to find Sheikh Yusuf. In terms of if you're in Egypt, it's the Amud uh, uh, Institution of uh, Al Amud, Madrasat Al Amud, or, or is it, was it Madrasat Al Amud or Jami'at Al Amud um, in Egypt? Al Madrasat Hanbaliya online. And of course, if you type in Yusuf bin Sadiq, you'll find a number of YouTube videos and, and other beneficial things. Uh, let's start with talking about. The Senate, Ahl-Sunnah is famous for, and, and our, our main uh, menhaj is menhaj as-Senad wa mulazamat al-Mashayikh. So we are living tradition. That's the whole difference between academics and really like the traditional, what people say traditional, means it's a living chain, a living tradition of scholarship from the time of the Messenger wasallam, down to our times. The four chains that have survived go through the four main imams. Last episode on the uh, Hanbali school, uh, Sheikh Hatim al-Hajj mentioned that Najd is the location of the bulk of Hanbali Asanid. Uh, Sheikh Yusuf now is involved in Egypt and he has many Hanbali scholars in Egypt. So I'd like, Sheikh, if you could kindly, and first of all, thank you so much for joining us and, and taking the time out. If you can kindly expound upon the existence of the chain, the Senate of the Hanbali school, in Egypt, some of its alam, some of their positions, and uh, uh, until today, how is it is it flourishing today? Uh, where is it today, and its status today? <laughs> It is claimed to be a little bit different from the other madhahib. There is no book in fiqh that has been authored in the madhahib to tell us about the istihad of Imam Ahmad radiallahu anhu. It's not like the Shafi'i madhahib, for instance. We do not have something like Muwatta in the Maliki madhahib. We do not have many mujtahideen at the time of Imam Ahmad radiallahu anhu, like the Hanafi madhahib. So it's uh, based on the isnad. There is nothing in the Hanbali madhahib that blows without isnad. That's why we have a lot of uh, Hanbali muhaddithin in the madhab that are that were serving the madhab. The issue of the snad is a little bit uh, problematic since uh, at the time of uh, Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahhab, and uh, although the madhab has been uh, established in terms of uh, the reliability upon position of the madhab here in Egypt. 
by uh, great mashaykh like Ibn al-Najjar, al-Buhuti, al-Khalwati, the golden chain of the Hanbali Mazhab. Uh, Al-Buhuti, al-Khalwati, Ibn Qa'id al-Najdi, who was an Egyptian scholar, and uh, Ibn Aud al-Mardawi, who was also an Egyptian scholar. At some point, we do not really find any traces of the Hanbali uh, or the Egyptian Isnad of the Hanbali Mazhab. When I uh, started studying with uh, my Sheikh, the Grand Sheikh of the Hanbali Mazhab uh, in Al-Azhar al-Sharif, Sayyidina Sheikh Muhammad Sayyid al-Hanbali, when I went to Al-Jamal Al-Azhar al-Sharif to study with him, I told him, where does the Hanbali Isnad go? Where does it go? Who is your shiuch? A question that uh, my sheikh would uh, receive easily without having any troubles or feeling challenged by the question. He said, my shiuch are, and he listed a number of shiuch. He said, I narrate the Hanbali Mazhab from a number of shiuch. The first name he mentioned, surprisingly, was Sheikh, uh, sheikh Hanabila in uh, Saudi uh, Abdullah ibn Aqil, rahimahullah ta'ala. This makes one feel that, yes, this, this is correct. The Hanbali Mazhab exists in Najd, exists in Saudiya. And then he said, I only met him for 40 days and I received a lot from him. But the real Isnad of the Hanabila will be found, he said, will be found in Bilad al-Sham in Syria. Then he listed the number of shiuch that taught him in Al-Jami' Al-Azhariyah. The number of shiuch that Al-Azhar al-Sharif imported from Bladi Sham, from Syria. We have, I am in the end, I am a man of hadith. I'm, I'm, I'm not sure why I was taken to fiqh at some point. I had to because the Hanbali Mazhab doesn't really have a lot of people who uh, defend it well when it comes to showing the real Hanbali Mazhab. I had to because my uh, Mashaykh uh, commanded me to do so. All the Asanid that you receive when you take an Ijazah from Hanbali Sheikh nowadays, most, most of the Asanid, they will go through Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahab, his grandsons, or some Hanbali Najdi Mashaykh who held the aqidah of Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahab one way or another. Maybe they were uh, harsher than Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahab himself when it comes to these issues of aqid. But we have what I call a clean isnad. And when I call it clean isnad, this is because I do not like the aqidah of Muhammad Abdul Wahab and I do not like calling Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahab or his uh, students or his companions in general, his ashab in general, uh, Hanbali scholars. And they said in general, because some of them can be Hanbali. This clean isnad goes through Bilad al-Sham in the family of Ash-Shakti. Shakti was a great scholar in the Hanbali Mazhab. He had an hashir. He had a hashir on Ghayat al-Muntaha. 
بالجمع بين الإقناع والمنتهى. One of the most important books in Mazhab. And this family, the family of Al-Shatti, they kept and preserved the Hanbali Isnad. And this Isnad, at some point, went to the family of the Mufti of Duma. Duma is like a city near Dimashq or in Dimashq in Syria. And this is the Isnad that my Sheikh received from the grandson of the Mufti of Dum that goes to the rest of the Imma of the Hanbali Madhab, every one of them, including Sheikh Islam Taymiyyah himself, without passing through Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahab. This shows you that there are many Hanbali Asaneed other than the Isnad that goes through Abdul Rahman ibn al Ibn al-Hasan, the grandson of Muhammad Abdul Wahab. This is one thing when it comes to the narration of uh, the Hanbali Mazhab. But you know that a lot of the scholars, especially the Azhari scholars, they do not really care about the issue of the Isnad when it comes to the Isnad according to the meaning of, of it in Ulum al-Hadith. They care more about al-Talaqi, taking, receiving al-ilm, from the Shaykh, regardless of giving you an ijazah or following the protocol of narrating what you received from the Shaykh. If we take this into consideration, you'll find a lot of shuyukh from whom my Shaykh received the Hanbali Mazhab, especially in the university, in Azhar University. And they were all from Bladi Sham, except for one who uh, came from Egypt, whose name is Sheikh Abdul Razak Qafajr and he never cared about this issue of giving ijaza or isnad also. Yes. Okay, so that, that means basically most of the uh, uh, Sanidis are combined between, you said some in Egypt, but the bulk from ulama is Sham. Can you tell us something about your direct Sheikh, which you mentioned Sayyid Muhammad al-Hambali? Could you Give us a little brief biography of him and his positions on important matters. Sheikh Muhammad Sayyid al-Hambali has uh, been for a while now the, the only Sheikh of the Hanbali Mazhab in Jamal al Azhar al-Sharif. It's a very honorable position. The Grand Imam of al Azhar al-Sharif uh, uh, requested him to teach the Hanbali Mazhab uh, in Jamal al Azhar. Uh, before uh, COVID, uh, the Sheikh uh, had uh, a couple of durus in Jamal Azhar al-Sharif. He was teaching uh, the Hanbali Mazhab, Hanbali Fiqh, Hanbali Usul. Uh, he has been doing this maybe since 2006-2008. The Sheikh is the direct student of the majority of the living scholars in the High Committee of Scholars in Azhar al-Sharif. And uh, he teaches at Hanbali Mazhab outside Al-Azhar Sharif uh, as well. And people nowadays, even the ones who do not really follow the Aqidah of Al-Sunnah uh, Al-Jama'ah, they regard him as the uh, the Shaykh of Al-Hanabil. 
Okay, now let's turn to something that you've pointed and alluded to a couple times so far, which is that the Senate that goes through Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahhab, the Senate that does not go through Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahhab, and here this is what you know some people brought to my attention. I wasn't really paying much attention to the Hanbali history one as I was studying. It's not something that I, I spent too much time studying, that the uh, Ibn Taymiyyah marks a branch and that some of the Hanabila followed him, some of the Hanabila did not follow him. In what did they follow him? In what did they not follow him? How were they perceiving one another? And how did they uh, develop afterwards? Because this is really the, 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 the main point of contention. And inshallah, we're just talking about this to learn, uh, not, not for any sectarian reason. And maybe it's different in Egypt. Here in America, we're trying to you know, have some uh, fair and honest, but at the same time cordial and good relations because we have so many other problems. But there's, there's, that doesn't mean that we can't explore these masail and, ex- and state you know, our opinions, and they state their opinions frankly and openly regarding matters of fiqh, aqidah, tasawwuf, etc. So if you can kindly expand upon or expound upon this uh, subtle, not subtle, but actually pretty important difference between in, within the Hanbali Madhab. Okay. The Hanbali Madhab is a little bit complicated if compared with the other Madhab. Complicated but good. This is not bad. Why? Because when you say I'm Hanbali, this could mean a couple of things. I'm Hanbali, I'm Hanbali in fiqh, Hanbali in aqidah, Hanbali in tasawf. You want to call it tasawf, you want to call it tazkiyah, call it whatever you want in this branch of al-ilm. Because when you say Hanbali in tasawf, in tazkiyah, automatically you you see Shaykh, see the Shaykh Abdul Qadir al-Jilali, for instance. This is the main figure when it comes to this uh, branch. And Imam Ahmed himself was an, an Imam in this field, as, uh, as Imam Shafi'i said, Ahmed Imam in eight branches of the One of which is Tasawf, one of which is Tazkiyah. Hanbali in Aqidah or Hanbali in Fiqh. When I talked about the Hanbali Isnad, I was talking about the Hanbali Isnad in Fiqh, which might be the Hanbali Isnad in, uh, in Aqid. And they said that it even goes to Shaykh al-Islam Taymiyyah. And yet, I rejected Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahab. And this rejection is not because of his Aqid. It's because of his attitude towards the Hanbali Mazhab. He rejected the... most important two books in the phase of al-mutakhirin in the Hanbali al-iqna'a al and he said that they contradict with the nas the clear statements of Imam Ahmad this means that we have approximately 900 years of effort less than 900 years 700 years of efforts exerted by the Hanbali scholars and Muhammad ibn Abdul doesn't respect that, and he claims that, yeah, all their ijtihad, or most of their ijtihad, this contradicts with the clear statements of Imam Ahmad. Yani, Ahmad made clear statements, those scholars, 
they just ignored them and they chose to follow anything else. This was said by Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahab. You can find it in the Hashia of Ibn Qasim, who was one of the scholars of uh, in in Najd, one of the scholars who uh, embraced uh, Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahab in his Hashia on Al-Rawd Al-Murba. This is one thing. That's why we cannot accept such a man in narrating Al-Iqna' Al-Muntaha that he rejected. In narrating the books that was summarized from Al-Iqna' Al-Muntaha that he rejected. When it comes to Ibn Taymiyyah in fiqh, Ibn Taymiyyah is one of the most important scholars in the Hanbali Masjid. And I'm talking about the grandson, Shaykh Islam, Taqiyyuddin Ibn Taymiyyah. He didn't establish a different branch of the Hanbali Mazhab. Ibn Taymiyyah had his jihad, and Ibn Taymiyyah had books. All of his books in fiqh was authored, were authored according to, let's not say the relied upon position, but the relied upon methodology of authoring books in the Hanbali Mazhab. He never, and his students never authored books, mutun, texts, texts that can be a part of a curriculum to highlight or mention or teach people the ijtihad of Shaykh al-Islam Taymi. It was Hanbali, only Hanbali. We are talking about the most important man after Shaykh al-Islam Muafaqadeen Muqudama and his grandfather Majdid Din ibn Taymiyyah in the Hanbali fiqh. So when it comes to fiqh, there is no Taymi branch of the Hanbali fiqh. It's either Hanbali or not Hanbali. When we look into his Majmu' al-Fatawa, this was compiled by someone else. It, it was Fatawa in the end. He wrote down a fatwa and sent it to someone. This was not ilm, this was fatwa. You can benefit from it, but you cannot call it yet. Yeah, this is an alternative branch of the Hanbali Mazhab. And in the end, the Hanbali Mazhab is not... The Hanbali Mazhab has usul, and you see the usul. If you follow them, your ijtihad can belong to the Hanbali Mazhab. If you do not, then this is not Hanbali, and you are a mujtahid, no problem. But this is not a Hanbali position. Now this was about fiqh. I think the question about the Taymi branch has to be in Aqib, the Taymi branch of the Hanbali Mazhab. I think this is an easy discussion. Ahmed, if you read his uh, short texts, if you uh, read the, his answers, Ahmed rejected all the Kalami methods, all the method, methods that rely on Ilm al-Kalam. This was his Madhab, the Madhab of Asalf. All the Hanabila who followed the Aqidah of Ahmad held the same position. The vast majority of Shaykh al-Islam ibn Taymiyyah's books are full of kalam. How can this be a branch of the Hanbali Aqidah? If you want to say that 
the mutakallimin, the ashairah, they supported and strengthened the aqidah of the salaf by logical proofs. Let's agree on that. But the method itself is different from the Hanbali method. The method itself is rejected and prohibited by the Hanabil. I'm not here talking about differences between Asha'ira and Hanabil. I'm talking about what the Hanbali Mazhab is in Aqib. Such an attitude is not accepted in the Hanbali Mazhab. Let's stop at something that Shaykh al said. He said, I never, I will say it in Arabic and I will try to, to translate it. He was defending himself and he was not debating, he was answering many questions by Ash'ari scholars at the time. And to defend himself, he said, I never opened the discussion of Allah's attributes with laymen. The Hanabila, the amount that they say in their aqaid can be said to anyone. And Ibn Taymiyyah himself said, the aqidah of my ancestors from the Hanabila, this wasn't the most authentic aqidah. It had mistakes. The man rejected And he said, the aqidah is not taken from Ahmed. The aqidah is not taken from Ahmed, and it's not taken from those who are better than Ahmed. Because the aqidah is a matter of ishtihad. Zalib he, he realized that Ibn Taymiyyah himself doesn't agree on that part of a Hanbali branch, a tiny branch of the Hanbali Aqidah. The Hanbali Aqidah is the Hanbali Now. So, so then, uh, uh, that being the case then, can you explain how um, Ibn Taymiyyah's works are filled with kalam when the common understanding is that uh, Ibn Taymiyyah is waging war on Kidam. So can you kindly explain, you know, to us how exactly uh, is it filled with Kalam methodology? Can you give examples, specific examples and general principles? Taymiyyah wanted to refute the Ash'ari Aqidah, wanted to refute the uh, Shi'i Aqidah, wanted to refute the Aqidah of people who rely on the Kalam a lot. And he studied their ways and he studied their madhahib very well. The discussion, this, this is the same position. This, the refutation of these aqaid might seem the same position that Hanbali would hold. Let's assume this is correct. I am Hamdali, and now I want to refute the Ash'ari Aqid, which is not correct, by the way, and we can we can talk about this later. I am Hamdali, and I want to refute the Ash'ari Aqid. The discussion ends in like two seconds. This is not enough for. This is this wasn't enough for Sheikh Al-Sam Sheikh Al-Sam had a dispute with the Ash'ari. This has to be done in their way. A way that guarantees a lot of, a lot of works, a lot of books, a lot of debates, maybe. 
Taymiyyah was the type of scholars who liked explaining things, talking a lot. That was the same thing that some of the Egyptian scholars said to him when they met him. Or what some of the Egyptian scholars said about him when they were asked to debate with him, that he loved talking, explaining, presenting his madhab, because he had a lot of aid. This is my opinion. This part, he had a lot of aid, so he, he wanted to express all of that. Uh, it's there is no better way to refute someone's madhab uh, than using their own tool, the al-kalam. And uh, he didn't want the discussion to end in two seconds, like the Hanbali discussion with the Asha'ar. Yeah. How does the Hanbali? You, you mentioned two things which I'm curious about. Um, you first mentioned that it's not even uh, correct to enter into this uh, a conflict and re- try to refute the Asha'ira. That's number one. And if you can explain why that is. And number two, you said even if we did, it would end in two seconds. So could you explain both of those points? Let's start with the part of we, we, we ended in two seconds. Uh, let, let's talk about the Asha'ira in particular. When I say the Asha'ira in particular, then I'm not addressing the Maturidiyah, for instance. Hanbali uh, Ash'ari conflict. The problem basically is in the issue of Ta'wil, detailed interpretation of Allah's attributes. Uh, one, one, one statement, this is haram. The discussion period, the discussion at all. What you are doing is haram. And to explain this, you are not saying you are talking about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala without knowledge. Ilm here doesn't mean knowledge, it means certainty. Which is the same thing that the Asha'ira say, and they say, no, we have Salaf, and we are following something that uh, we have already established in our Masjid. So the, Hanab, the, the, the traditional Hanbali approach is to say, we're not accepting the narrations that you say about the Salaf period, and we're not entering into this meeting, so we're not even sitting at the table. Yes, because the Hanbali position, this this is something that we learn in our books of Aqeem, which is said, which was said by Ahmed himself, radiallahu uh, We do not argue, we do not have disputes, we do not discuss when it comes to the matters of Aqeem. And we explained that before. This this mazhab is really good, by the way, the mazhab of not discussing, not having disputes, not having debates. This is a very good mazhab. We can talk about it later. This was the part about uh, why it ends in two seconds. And by the way, there is an Ash'ari part of it. Uh, okay, we accept your mazhab, the mazhab of Tafwi, we accept your mazhab, and it's one of our two choices then. Why, why bother? So then, mm. Yeah, and that's why you're yeah. saying that uh, uh, the, the, the idea of conflict with the Ash'ari is also not marghub fihi, not desirable. That's why at some point in the Hanbali history, they decided that although this is a matter that we do not accept, 
the matter of the ta'wil. But in the end, you say it's haram. When you say haram, when you say wajib, when you say mustahab, what kind of ruling is this? It's fiqh. This is, this is a fiqhi ruling. This is haram. We didn't say this is kufr or this is fisk. It's haram, right? Yes. In the end, does it affect their aqidah? No. Yani someone doing this sin according to the Hanbali Madhab. His aqidah is not affected because it doesn't affect or harm the issue of tanzih. I see. Good. Yes. Uh, speaking of tanzih, um, is it's correct to say that the Hanabila, well, you, you already said it, so in general principle, they're not going to enter the discussion at all. So therefore, the correct answer, if I was to ask you, what is your answer on one of the Tanzihi-related masail, I should, such as the Allah, uh, I should expect you to say, I refuse to discuss this masala. Would that be accurate? I talked about discussions. I talked about discussions that are like debates, not when, uh, uh, like debates, disputes. When, when you have a disagreement with someone, or in other words, to be accurate, the word munawara, according to its terminological meaning, when you I study adab al bahs wal munawara. Yes. 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 But I, uh, I and it, so, and that's separate from ilmiyan. Yes, when the you when, when, when you are asked to to explain something or to present something in your aqidah, that's why the author books. Okay, and so how would they expand on that masala on that issue? Yes. Right? Yes. 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 All of the Hanabila, when I say all of the Hanabila, this has to be understood in, in, a, in a specific way. All of the Hanabila, all of the Hanabila in Aqidah. Yani, do not bring someone who is Hanbali in Fiqh, yet he doesn't agree on the Hanbali Aqidah. And you say, yeah, this was not the Hanbali who agreed on what she said. All of the Hanabila, the Hanabila in Aqidah, agreed on this concept that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala doesn't exist in a place. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the one who created the place and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala cannot exist in a place. Yet they do not find any problem with the question, Ain Allah. One of the possible interpretations that we received from our mashaykh is that this uh, hadith of Al-Jariyah and um, um, uh, long, uh, along with the hadith of uh, Husayn father of uh, Imran when they said Allah fi because this is how uh, the Arab think about things you have something on on earth and you have something fi even the Salafi they do not agree on saying he is in his sama surrounded by the clouds surrounded by even them, they do not agree on that. But they say what has been said, 
what has been approved by the Prophet We have the same madhab. No. Good. So uh, the reason I'm asking this, and some people might think, oh my goodness, why is uh, uh, Safina Saidi podcast going into these old polemics and there are some bigger issues? No, it's what are we doing with the mas'ala is trying to show uh, the Hanbali creed in it to, to actually remove some of these argumentations, right? To show this explanation that you just gave, uh, which is a beautiful explanation, to remove any type of barrier that exists between Muslims about this issue for the precise reason that we do have uh, may, many bigger masail and, and issues that we're facing in the world. And I think that um, these madhahib need to, to, to realize that they have so much more uh, in common with one another. Now about the history. Uh, Jomo, you had a question about the early uh, Hanabida. Would you want to uh, bring that up now? Sure. Um, Bismillah. Um, Barakallahu feekum, Sheikh. Um, one of the questions that I had was, could you touch on the the early companions of Imam Ahmed, radiallahu ta'ala anhu, and the, the diversion of the madhab between his early companions and the transmission, especially the aqidah, um, the transmission of the madhab and aqidah from his early companions. The uh, students of Imam Ahmad radiallahu anhu uh, were not on the same level. They were, they had different levels when it comes to knowledge. Some of them were mujtahideen, like Al-Bukhari are Muslim, in my opinion, and Abu Dawood Sijistani. They were mujtahideen. mujtahideen Al-Mujtahid is a mujtahid in everything. Uh, when I say mujtahid like that, at that time, we are talking about a mujtahid in everything, not a mujtahid in a particular issue also. He had other uh, students who just, they, are, they, they were just narrators. They were just transmitters of the masail. Some of those masail or some of those uh, students of uh, Ahmed, they didn't even narrate anything related to our aqidah. They were focused on narrating the issues of al-fiqh. They were focused on narrating the issues of al-hadith, not the issues of al-aqidah. Anyone who practices religion will have aqidah. So they start expressing their own aqidah their own narrations, their own madahib, regardless of Ahmed's madhab. What I'm explaining now is something that some of the uh, mashayikh didn't really notice. For instance, you have Al-Jami' Al-Ulum Imam Ahmed, 22 volumes. Everything that Ahmed said, um, at least in the books that we, we we can access right now. 22 volumes. It includes Aqidah, Hadith, Fiqh, and other things. When it comes to the Aqidah, they mention the things that his son said, Abdullah, that he, that Abdullah said, not that Abdullah narrated from Ahmed, but Abdullah said some things that some of the, some of the companions, some of the Hanbali scholars in the third, in the fourth, 
century and the fifth century. This doesn't represent Ahmed. It's not complicated. The Aqidah of Ahmad can be mentioned in something like Usul al-Sunnah that everyone knows. You find it not in a separate book. It is narrated in Tabaqat, Ibn Abi Ya'l. It's a very short text that represents the Aqidah of Ahmad. The Aqidah of Ahmad Hanbal is simple and short. So it can easily be narrated. And you can see in, e in every generation of the Hanabila, a lot of people who narrated this Aqidah and agreed on most of it. And the differences start to appear when you see the areas in which Ahmad radiallahu anhu didn't have any ishtihad. So, the highlight of this is in a book called Al-Ain Wal-Athar. The author of this book claimed that this is the Aqidah of Ahmad. So he had a chapter about what it, the Aqidah that was narrated from Ahmad and other chapters about the Ash'ari and Hanbali disagreements in which he mentioned a lot of things that Ahmad himself didn't mention. But they can be in the Hanbali Mazhab because they are in harmony with Ahmad's principles. This part of Ahmad's Aqidah, the Aqidah that can be traced back to Ahmad, this is the part in which you find a lot of Asanid going to Ahmad, indicating the same meaning that the author mentioned in this. So it is a connected saying. And this author of Al-Ain Al-Athar, he was in the 11th century. So you see? No. no. So, Shaykh, um, that actually, Jazakumullah Khair, that actually was part of my next question. Was <laughs> I was going to ask you about the development of the madhab from the time of Sheikh Ibn Qudama to our time today. But pretty much you answered that question from the answers you just gave by Al-Ain Wal-Athar. And in the uh, books of Al-Athbat, it's the, the books in which you find um, uh, the shuyukh of uh, a scholar. Like for instance, in a scholar who had, who had a lot of shuyukh, he would mention the names and his asanim. The books of Al-Athbat of the Hanbali scholars especially in the phase of al you will find a lot of them saying, I narrate the Hanbali Fiqh and the, Han the Athari Aqib from, and you will see a Hanbali Isnad full of Al-Hanabi. And it goes through Ibn Qudama, Sidi Abdul Qadir al-Jilani, Al-Kalwazani, Al-Qadi Abi Ya'la, and other people. Okay, um, so is it accurate for me to understand here that Ibn Taymiyyah, he, uh, parted from the Hanabila in his methodology but are his conclusions this correct would you say that the conclusions are the same I will talk about the, uh, the how the Hanabila uh, the, the Hanabila after Ibn Taymiyyah viewed 
uh, Ibn Taymiyyah's position in Al-Aqaid. There, there was there was a disagreement uh, and a lot of conflict between Al-Hanabila and Ash'ar uh, before Ibn Taymiyyah and after Ibn Taymiyyah. And after Ibn Taymiyyah, the Hanabila, uh, they had always been a minority. Saying that uh, Ibn Taymiyyah was not an Imam, was not Sheikh Islam, was not a scholar, this wasn't the Hanbali position. But they also didn't agree on everything that he said. They rejected a lot of his positions. And they have a way of doing this and they all agree on it in a very strange way as if they have they had an agreement or something that we didn't know of they always take what suits them and their aqaid which is the hanbali aqidah and say qala shaykh al-islam taymiyyah so and so and so and ibn taymiyyah had a detail in this issue that that contradicts with the aqidah of ahli sunnah wal jamaah and they would just omit this part and they would they would continue you see, one of the greatest, not followers, but one of the, one of the people who really appreciated Ibn Taymiyyah, Safarini, he would do so, to omit parts of Ibn Taymiyyah's aqidah and mention other parts that do not really contradict with our aqidah. Al-Buhuti himself appreciated Ibn Taymiyyah. Al-Buhuti, Sheikh Mansur Ibn Yunus Al-Buhuti, in Raud al-Murba' he did ta'wil of the sifat al-Rahman al-Rahim, sifat al-Rahman he did ta'wil of this sifat and in, uh, in, in other books in the Hanbali Madhab he appreciated Ibn Taymiyyah and he called him Shaykh al-Islam and he defended him. they wanted to coexist with Shaykh al-Islam Taymiyyah rejecting the parts that can never be in our mazhab and this can be highlighted in a book called Al-Manhaj Al-Ahmad Fi Dar Al-Mathalib Al-Lati Tulma Ila Mazhab Al-Imam Ahmad It's basically based upon positions that Ibn Taymiyyah said and they were claimed to be Hanbal in fiqh, in aqaid and in other things and the author of the book who was a Hanbali scholar Al-Qudumi, Al-Qadumi, said these are not from the Hanbali Madhab, these issues are not from the Hanbali Madhab, they contradict with the Hanbali Madhab. This is, this is the, this is the, this is the climax. Before that, they did what I explained, they did what I told you, they would just omit parts of his aqidah, mention other parts. Now, Okay, so they coexisted and they, as I'm sure this happened with many, many um, people who are mujtahid fil madhab, and I'm sure that uh, at the very minimum, Hanabila considered Ibn Taymiyyah mujtahid fil madhab, uh, that they would agree with some of his ijtihads and disagree with other of his ijtihads. And so yes. that, that you said then the bigger break in the Senate, uh, so much so that you mentioned some of the Senate being a clean Senate as opposed to Muhammad Abdul Wahab Senate, so that's where you would say there is a bigger uh, uh, break. Yes. Okay. Now, if I can go into some of the um, furu'a, if you don't mind, 
And this is where things get interesting. In the Fatawa of Ibn Taymiyyah, if we can get into some Far'i things, the three times divorce fatwa is a very popular fatwa. Namely that uh, it happens and there is a function. I have to say that many, many people in the Desi community, they actually misunderstand and believe that talaq la yaqa illa bithalatha. That divorce does not even occur. That the correct method to do divorce is by saying it three times. And I have to say that now we're, we're going, we're zooming into the local issues here, that this happens all the time, and they bring up Ibn Taymiyyah's fatwa, and many, many Arab scholars utilize Ibn Taymiyyah's fatwa on this. So as a Hanbali representative, can you uh, tell us, is this the madhab of, um, is this a permissible fatwa to be utilized according to the Hanabila? Because according to the other three methods, they say no, but according to the Hanabila, can they use that? This was one of the one of the issues that the Sheikh Qadumi mentioned in his book that I have just mentioned. That he he authored this book and in the introduction he mentioned this as an example of the issues that will be uh, um, tackled in the book. He said this can never be a position in the Madhab. There is difference between the Elijah composition of the Madhab and a position in the Madhab. And I believe that most of the Listeners understand this. A position in the madhab means a position that can be hanbali, regardless of being, uh, of having the, the, the qualifications that make it the reliable composition or not. Sometimes it can never be the reliable composition. It's a still a position in the madhab, but it can never be a reliable composition because it was said by one of the companions, one of the scholars of the madhab, and there is a fatwa by Ahmed. So Ahmad will always be uh, the madhab or the reliable composition. This can, can never be a Hanbali position. Shaykh Hussain Taymiyyah said, my grandfather, who we are talking about like, like the, the main two mashayikh of the madhab after Ahmad Hanbali, he said, my grandfather used to give this fatwa that, and, and I, I'm surprised that some people misunderstand the fatwa that should be rejected. But the fatwa of Taymiyyah is that uh, uh, it's, it's only one. So you have divorced your, your wife, but one, one only, it's not three. This is the fatwa of Taymiyyah, and he said that his grandfather used to give this fatwa a secret. I see. Even if, okay. even if does, doesn't hmm. this doesn't this indicate anything? Maybe Majdiddin, the great Sheikh of the Madhab, maybe he did so. We believe Ibn Taymiyyah. Ibn Taymiyyah is not fasted, right? I believe Ibn Taymiyyah. He, uh, his grandfather did so, uh, secretly. Secretly, doesn't this indicate anything? He didn't does, want this to be mentioned, known, narrated from him, thought to be one of the Hanbali positions. The reliable position of the Hanbali Mazhab is that this talaq is bid'i, this is an innovation, this is haram, and it is three times divorce. It's not one time. Okay, good. More, um, uh, we could say, um, specific matters. This is specific, but it relates to 
uh, uh, somewhat of usul. And this regards the practices in the daily life of a Muslim. One example is Laylat uh, Rajab, the first night of Rajab. The Ahl Sunnah, you'll find in the, their Mutasawwifa, holds that Mukashafat, if it has a uh, basis with a even a weak hadith or a saying of a Sahabi, enters into a practice, becomes a practice. One of those is the four nights, and then other uh, narrations or, or sayings, five nights in which dua is mustajab, one of them being the first night of Rajab, just as an example. Uh, I want My purpose in bringing this up is not to defend one side or another, but just to try to actually remove the fangs of argumentation between both sides. Uh, the usul of a lot of Ahl sunnah is to accept Mukashafat of uh, Salihin and Awliya, known and well known and and, rec- uh, 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 and relied upon scholars who have Mukashafat, which is like a spiritual unveiling that has some basis in a weak hadith or saying of a Sahabi. In this sense, the saying of Sayyidina Ali, regardless of its Senad, weak or otherwise, that Sayyidina Ali is the one who said there are four nights in which dua is mustajab. First night of Raja being one. I want to ask the Hanbali approach to the uh, in history the utilization of mukashafat in ritual practices. Okay, uh, so it, it with not not uh, not we're left aqidah now. We've even left fiqh. I mean, this maybe is at the bottom issue of fiqh. Right. So, could you expound upon on that? Let's first agree that the Hanabila in their usul, they accept the weak hadith, the weak, the moderately weak hadith. And they even use it in the issues of fiqh, issues of halal wal haram, in a certain way. It's not important to explain it now, but they use it. This is a fact. Another fact, Ahmed himself used the weak hadith, not al-hasan li-ghayrihi. Yani even some of my Hanbali Salafi Shuyukh, whom I, whom I cannot even mention their names, they said, no, it doesn't mean Hassan Ligayri. So even the Salafiyya themselves, they have this position among themselves. Ahmad used the weak hadith in a way which is different from the rest of the Hanabila. The Hanabila cannot do the same thing. Ahmad had a taste, and this taste made him except some of the weak hadith that he himself considered weak. Another fact, Al-Hanabila, in their usul, they rely on the fatwa of the companion and the madhab of the companion and the position of the companion, certain requirements, certain conditions, not important to mention them now. When it comes to the issue of Al-Mukashafa, this is an, a Sufi issue and the Hanabila in a very beautiful way, had this separation between sensitive issues of tasawwuf and the issues of al-fiqh, in general. So you will not find them talking about al-usul, you will not find them talking about the issues of al-tasawwuf unless they can be practiced. You see the books of Sidi Sheikh Abdul Qadir al-Jilani, 
you find his 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 theories in the Tasawwuf applied in the books of Al-Adab in the Hanbali Madhab. It's clear. No one attached these things, but if, if we sit together for like an hour holding two books, I can show people. This is from what Sidi Abdul Qadir said. When it comes to sensitive issues, like do we rely on things that were known by Al-Mukayshafa? Al-Mukayshafa, this is general. But I mentioned things about the madhahib of the companions, the weak hadith. This is general. And there are madhahib in tasawwuf regarding this issue of al-mukashaf. Madhahib that, uh, for instance, a madhahib that says, uh, you had cash, you are obliged to do this, but you do not tell other people. You tell other people, but they are not obliged. You tell other people and they are obliged as long as they trust you and you are a trusted narrator, Madahib. The Hanabila didn't go there, didn't tackle this issue. Mm. No. So they, uh, so it's basically, uh, it's either going to be in a weak hadith or a qawl of a sahabi. Any, uh, if that's the case, then it doesn't matter whether a mukashifa confirms it or not because you already have the nas, and there's evidence. And if it's purely a mukashifa, then uh, then it's not acted upon. Now, Jomo, I want to ask another question, and then you can chime in with anything that you have. Um, my next question is also somewhat of an usul, but it relates to practices. Al-ilm uh, tajribi is that accepted or not as a source? I even remember that Ibn Taymiyyah had a comment on this. He said, sometimes when you want your dua to be mustajab, you go to one of the old masajid that's no longer used, and you give life to it, you pray in it. Tajribi means experiential. From the experience is the adad of dhikr. This is a, something that comes up a lot, and I want to know the Hanbali uh, approach to it. For example, Hasbunallah and Amal Wakil, it's well known that it's spread around uh, amongst the many mashaykh that 450 is its number. A salah ala rasul alf marra fil yom, a thousand in a day is its number. Okay? And this is not, no one's saying that this is nafl or nadb, mandub or anything, but it's tajribi knowledge. Just like someone says, you know, 15 sit ups in the morning, 15 at night. Okay? It's just experience. And things like this, run five miles a day, it becomes a weird for many people in the fitness world. Could you comment on the role of tajribi knowledge? This has to do with usul. Yes, I agree. Previous question also had to do with usul. I hope when the listeners, uh, when they when they uh, listen to these things, I hope that they do not rush into bringing this quote from this Hanbali Sheikh who rejected something in particular. We are talking about usul. The usul of the madhab. Do they reject these ideas? Do they accept them? Can can this be something that doesn't contradict with the Hanbali usul? This was this somehow was the question or Ahmed Hanbal, and this is mentioned in the books of Fiqh used to believe that if you write some ayat of the Qur'an in a glass of water and give it to the pregnant woman or give it to the sick person 
this would help. Where is this in the Sunnah? If you bring me a hadith, if you bring me that this was done by some of uh, the companions, you will, I will give you other examples from Ahmad himself, from other, from other people at the time of Ahmad, from other Hanabila, who showed us that the usul of the mazhab can never be contradictory with such things. If you tried something and it resulted in another thing, and your aqidah is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the real doer of things, I, should, I shouldn't fear for you. I should fear for the one who believes that things have the power. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created the power in them to act accordingly. And they might believe in such things. This, this, is, this is dangerous then. But for, for me and for anyone who believes that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the real doer of things, and you know that this is the sunnah of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the Hanbali mazhab doesn't reject such things. In the end, you might find a Hanbali or two rejecting something in particular. But this doesn't mean that they reject the concept itself. Now, and I have many examples in my mind, but yeah, it will take a lot of time. But at least this example of Ahmed is enough. Which means in that case that there is something known as, al, if we can call, we can rename this Tajribi uh, experiential uh, uh, practice is it a type of bid'ah hasana then? Is there such a thing? Because it sounds very much similar. We're going to get the same results. What Imam Ahmad did, for example, recite the ayats or write them in water, uh, you know, write the, dissolve the ink in water or something like this. What else is that besides what we would call bid'ah hasana? It's just that this is an issue of terminology then. Yes, it's bid'ah hasana, I agree. Do the Hanabila have something called Bid'a Hasana? Do the Hanabila. The Hanabila. Yani we are talking about a term in the Hanbali Mazhab. A term according to those people who call themselves Hanabila. Now this, this is Haqiqa Urfiya. Stilah. No, they do not have something like that. Linguistically, yes, it's Bid'a Hasana. It's Bid'a and it's Hasana. Yes. In the Hanbali Mazhab, Al-Bid'a is either disliked or Haram, prohibited. Uh, this is uh, then it's a term. Bid'ah is a term in that it's a case. Term. Now, which means that there is then, bid'ah hasana. Yes, linguistically, yes, we agree on that. Now. Then, what would they call such an action, such as um, what Ibn Taymiyyah said about going to the uh, or the masajid that are out of use, or Imam Ahmad's use of the verses for pregnancy? What would we? What would they call that? I. It, they will give it a ruling. They will say this is permissible or this is sunnah. Sunnah. They will call it sunnah. They are not. They are not restricted in that case. They do not call it sunnah if it has been done by the Prophet ﷺ only. No, they call it sunnah even if it hasn't been done by the Prophet ﷺ. Now, and they okay. have. They have salaf good. and they have uh, everything. Now. Okay. Good. Jomo. You've been quiet for some time. Uh, been ha I've been hogging the questions, but cheer up if you have anything you'd like to ask the Sheikh. Alhamdulillah. 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 Um, I think uh, that last question that you asked, Sheikh said he had some 
more examples in mind. I don't know if you wanted to expound or... Sheikh, would you like to expound more on that question that uh, Dr. Shadi asked you? This was the... This was the strongest example, Ahmed himself writing the ayat, and it's and you know you know what what makes it really strong that they mentioned this example in particular in the books of fiqh. And you open a book of fiqh and you see this. Uh, other things uh, from Ibtaymiyyah about uh, and th and this is not mujarrabat. This is not even mujarrabat. They are mujarabat and everything, but uh, look at this knowledge. The dead knows his uh, visitors. He knows them. He knows how they are. He uh, knows about them. This is not only the reliable composition of the Hanbali Madhav. This is what you uh, read from Ibn Taymiyyah and Ibn Al-Qayyim, rahimahumullah ta'ala. They said the same things and they said more. I just do not remember everything that they said. They said even more than this. This is not even Mujarrabat uh, in, in, in a direct way. This is weaker than that. And yet they, they, they do not mind saying such things. So this area should, and I have many, many more examples, but the strongest was what Ahmad radiallahu ta'ala anhu did. Now. SubhanAllah. Sheikh, that that um, example that you gave about Imam Ahmed and his practice, um, we live in a turbulent time here. Um, so that leads into uh, my next question is, what advice would you give to your students here in America considering the current climate with those who claim to be espousing Hanabila? But yet, essentially, they're teaching something different. And I would even add to that, to my own question, because I I have seen and heard people say, who claim to be humbly, but who would say that Imam Ahmed is not a hujja. And this really bothered me because I have never heard anyone say that Imam Ahmed was not a hujja, neither an Ashari or anybody else has ever said that about Al-Imam Ahmed ibn Hamba. So if you could touch on that for us, Jazakumullah Khaira. I'm sorry, you said a Hanbali saying that Imam Ahmed is not a Hujja? Is that what you said? This was a part of what you yes. said? Yes. Uh, I, uh, uh, I saw Imam Ahmed uh, in a dream. And he kept describing how he was tortured by Mu'tasim uh, and these difficult times that he went through. And he showed me things that I haven't uh, read uh, in books. And then I went to my sheikh and told him. Now, and I went to my sheikh and I told him about this, uh, this, this dream. I told him he kept describing this to me and you, you were with me. My sheikh was with me in the dream, I mean. And he uh, and and it was really uh, really difficult and it was wasn't a pleasant uh, experience. Yeah, I wish I didn't see any of that. I I, I was pleased that I saw Imam himself, but uh, but it was was really uh, was really bad how he described uh, the torture and everything. So I told him, yeah, what is the interpretation? What do you think of that? And usually my sheikh doesn't really interpret any dreams. He said 
usually says, ah, yeah, this is good, this is okay, uh, it's Bushra, uh, go on, continue what you are doing, this is a good sign. In this dream in particular, he said, yes, this is a sign that Imam Ahmad, that, she, that there is a lot of ibtila waiting for, for us, Hanabila. And I guess if I, this, this is one part of ibtila, to hear about the Hanbali, who considers, uh, who doesn't consider Ahmed Hanbal Hujja. Uh, a Shafi'i can, can sometimes uh, have this uh, liberty of not considering Ahmed Hanbal Hujja, because in the end, Shafi'i is his Let me talk in points. Uh, first of all, a Hanbali not considering Ahmed to be Hujjah means that he is not Hanbali. Uh, because as many scholars said in the Hanbali Madhab and the other Madhab, the one uh, whom you follow, يعني, the one whom you follow in fiqh, his statements are evidence for you. Your evidence is not Al-Qur'an or Sunnah because you have no access to Al-Qur'an or Sunnah when it comes to interpreting Al-Qur'an or Sunnah or extracting rulings from Al-Qur'an or Sunnah. This is an agreed-upon issue among the scholars of Usul al-Fiqh. If not agreed-upon, this is the... the Hanabila hate to claim al-Ijma'ah. Let's not call it agreed-upon issue, but at least this is the madhab of the majority of uh, Usuli scholars. This is one thing. That's why in the Hanbali Fiqhi books like the Hashia of Ibn uh, ala Dalil al-Talib, Mar al-Karmi said, the most praised madhab, the best madhab, the madhab of Imam Ahmad. Yes, because this is said, or this was said by a Hanbali. If Shafi'i is better than Ahmad, you become Shafi'i. It's simple, and it doesn't include any hatred or anything. This is one, uh, this is one thing. Another thing, uh, I'm not sure if this was a part of your question, yeah, Sheikh. Like in uh, the Hanbali Mazhab is the Hanbali Mazhab, which can be represented by the, Han the Hanabila, only the Hanabila, who studied with the Hanabila, who received the Mazhab from the Hanabila. Let's help each other in stopping the bid'ah of teaching, talking, falsely. Uh, contributing to something without being qualified enough to do so. So, if you want to talk about the Hanbali Mazhab, then you studied the Hanbali Mazhab with someone who is Hanbali. The idea of a Senate that the Sheikh Dr. Shadi started with. Let's uh, stop these uh, innovations of Hanbali Taimi, Hanbali Ibn Qudama's branch, Hanbali Qadi Abu Ya'la's branch. This is a madhab, a madhab of one of the greatest aim uh, of the Muslimin. It's not, uh, it's, it's not a restaurant or something like that. Yeah. Uh, people in the United States in particular, they need to be focused on ilm more. I know that uh, the circumstances and the environment might not be really helpful, but in the end, if you are focused more on the ilm, especially that you have a lot of chances on the internet now, 
this will definitely be better than getting in such disputes of well, I'm Hanbali, the branch of so-and-so, Hanbali, the branch of so-and-so. When I started studying Ilm, I found the Salafi Sheikh. I went to him. I wasn't Salaf. I was never Salaf. I went to him and I benefited. I met my Sheikh who, was, who, who wasn't Salafi and I benefited from him. If, 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 if not for the Salafi Sheikh being really harsh and that they rejected me afterwards and they called me Muqtada uh, and stuff like that, I would be able to mention the names. In the end, if you focus more on ilm and forget about the, tr the trendy things, this would definitely be better for, especially, especially, yani not for the students in the UK, for the students in the USA. Yes. Wallahu al And please, this is something that you did. You, you started with reading something about me. Uh, I, I want to thank Sheikh Musa, Sheikh Naveed. They helped uh, writing this. I remember my Sheikh in Jamal Azhar al-Sharif in the best spot, which is called Al-Ghulla Al-Uthmaniyah. If anyone visited Jamal Azhar al-Sharif, you will know where this is. This is the, the middle of Jamal Azhar al-Sharif. You are in the center of Jamal Azhar al-Sharif. Everyone who comes will just look at the one who, who, who is sitting there. My sheikh was sitting there in the middle of a very difficult dars, and a layman interrupted him saying, what are your qualifications? It lacks adab, it lacks, it lacks adab in general, and adab, which like according to its specific meaning in, in, in the books of knowledge. And the sheikh stopped the dars and started talking about his qualifications and from whom he received the madhab. Because the question was about the mazhab he was teaching. So this is a good sunnah. And this is the criteria and the standard that the students should take into consideration whenever they receive ilm from anyone. The first thing that I, I will talk about myself when I when I came to this interview. They told me about Fadilit al-Sheikh Shadi. The first thing that uh, they told me about, he studied this, he studied that, he went there. This was done by some of my students because they knew how I measure things and they knew how things should be measured. They started with this. They didn't start with he had uh, so-and-so subscribers, so-and-so followers. He had this uh, blog, he had this, no. And they didn't even know about these things and they still do not know about them. Thank you so much. Jazakallah khairan. Uh, I've uh, asked all my questions. I wanted to, um, uh, uh, I think I actually, we did cover everything, alhamdulillah, uh, with the same intention that we uh, came in with, uh, the intention of you know, shedding more light on the history and the specifics uh, of this noble madhab that inshallah ta'ala will um, really can can see we can see it in our lifetime inshallah revive and return back uh, to the uh, sessions in which the Hanafi Maliki and Shafi'i schools are taught all together without any hesitation and fear uh, because now we have understanding knowledge not only that we have ittisal 
itisal with arbab al madhab that's what's the most important thing and that's what i feel a lot of people felt where is this hanbali madhab we see it in the books only and we don't see the arbab of the the, the keepers of this chain and we don't even know where the chain is so this living tradition of the hanbali school may allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, increase its presence in our own lives and uh, increase us with the suhba of uh, the arbab of this noble madhab uh, those are my closing words uh, Joma, would you, ha- do you, if you have any closing words, and then we'll go to Sheikh for his closing comments. I would just like to thank Allah Taala for giving us this opportunity with Fadila to Sheikh Yusuf bin Sadiq, and thank you, Dr. Shadi, again, and the whole Safina Society um, family for making this possible. And I pray that Allah Ta'ala will facilitate us to be of those who bring unity and love amongst the Muslims. Amen. And Sheikh Yusuf, uh, any uh, closing comments? I hope this uh, was uh, fruitful. I thank you, uh, Mawlana Sheikh Shadi, and I thank Sheikh Jumu and Naveed and Musa. I ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to continue his bounty upon our Sheikh Yusuf, deen and dunya, dunya and akhirah, seen and unseen, ilm, zahir wa batin. And we ask Allah Ta'ala to bring us actually together physically, bi'idhnillah, Allah knows when. But we do ask Allah and wa'antumuqinuna bil-ijaba that inshallah someday we will meet physically and have a good liqa. Jazakumullah khairan. Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdik. Nashadu an la ilaha illa anta. Nastaghfiruku natubu ilayk. Wal asr. Inna al-insana lafi khusr. Illa al-lazina amanu. Wa'aminu al-salihat. Wa tawasub al-haq. Wa tawasub al-sabr. Wassalamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi. Oh